And welcome to season three of the JKR podcast presented by JKR Baseball. My name is Jay Shriglin and I will be your host. We're excited to continue the JKR podcast with season three of episodes. This season, we are expecting many great series with top-tier travel organizations across the country, while we also spotlight commits, collegiate, and professional players from across the United States. It is our goal to be the player's platform for all of prep baseball. As we continue to do this, make sure to stay on top of the J-Care podcast episodes, but also tune into the other features that J-Care Baseball presents. That includes blogs like the lineup card written by John Sparacco, player-based events like Battle of Indiana, Summit City Baseball Academy, and other events being announced very, very soon. With Season 3, that comes two new programs for athletes to enjoy. Those are the JKR Brand Ambassador Program and the JKR Athlete Creators Program. To stay on top of all these features, check out jkrpodcast.com to learn more. I genuinely appreciate everything you guys have done for me and the JKR brand over the past two years, and I hope to continue to build both the JKR brand and the game of baseball for years to come. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and Mind Baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mind Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have Bo Jackson Elite Sports Director of Pitching Performance, Logan Schmidt, and Director of Sports Performance, James Young here on the JKR Podcast. Guys, pumped to have you here on the show. We're getting ready to dig into everything you guys got going on there, uh, you know, at that out, that suburb of Chicago there at Bo Jackson. But, you know, again, pumped to have you guys here on the show today. Thanks, Thanks for having us. us. Awesome. So, uh, do kind of here to get it started, you know, one question I always like to ask everybody, whether it's, you know, trainers, whether it's players, scouts, whatever, same question to kind of get it started here. For those who don't know you guys, how would you introduce yourselves? Who exactly is Logan Schmidt? Who exactly is James Young? You know, one of you guys can take that first and we kind of roll with that, but, you know, kind of dig into it there a little bit. Sure. Yeah, um, go, ahead, oh, go ahead, Logan. No, go so, ahead. yeah, I, uh, my name's obviously Logan I, Schmidt. I've uh, been playing baseball a long time. I went to Miami, Ohio for four years. I was a reliever there for four years. Uh, due to COVID, took a grad year, transferred over to – St. Louis University, um, got an opportunity to start, had a really good year, went on to play two years of indie ball, um, always had a, like a knack for coaching. I've always been the guy on the team that kind of people seem to gravitate to, to help with things. And I really enjoyed that. So after my uh, playing career ended, I, I kind of walked right into a good role here at, at Bo Jackson. And um, last year kind of started slowly with some lessons and stuff. And then as the summer went on, I started to kind of see the opportunity for a role here and what they've done at the other dome in Lockport. Um, 
took this role as the director of pitching performance and we've kind of been running with it now and we've got a really cool opportunity to, I think help a lot of kids and help see a lot of people get really good at what they're doing and have a good time doing it. Yeah. So, um, I'm James. I, uh, grew up in the area here, suburb of Chicago, Donner's Grove, um, went to North central college, uh, there in Naperville, uh, studied, you know, kinesiology, x-ray science, um, did a bunch of internships. Um, you know, my playing career, ended in, ended in high school, you know, that's what they always say that the strength guys were, we're all failed athletes. So it was, it was, um, baseball's always been a passion of mine. So, um, you know, you know, obviously super grateful to be working in this population as demographic, um, to stay a part of the game and, and help these guys improve and develop. So, um, yeah. So what we got going on, they brought me on, uh, in Bensonville, uh, probably was it four years ago now before they opened the, the place, the facility and, uh, have just been nothing but happy about, uh, you know, what they, you know, helped me build there. And, um, you know, I think four four years in, it really feels like we're hitting the ground running now and, and, uh, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as I was kind of going through the Illinois baseball series, I'm not sure if you guys kind of ran into that and saw some of the stuff I was doing there. I mean, I was interviewing a lot of Chicago guys, you know, they were always talking about, you know, whether that was your guys's dome dome or the other Bo Jackson dome. Again, you know, I'm an Indiana guy, so I don't know, I really, when they talk about the Bow Dome, I just, you know, I just kind of put them both together there. But, you know, when Ryan yeah. kind of reached out and said you guys were interested, you know, was really pumped to kind of get this started and kind of dig into everything you guys got going on there. But before we do dig into the Bo Jackson side with your guy, you know, Logan, you pitch tra pit, training pitchers, uh, James, you, you know, be there on the performance side as well. Um, I do want to take us through your guys' baseball upbringings, maybe where the passion for baseball kind of came from. Um, so I guess for this first couple of questions, we can kind of go Logan, then James, and then we'll kind of flip that order around there a little bit, but just kind of take us through, you know, before training, before you guys were coaches, just kind of take us through that baseball upbringing and where that passion for baseball came from. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been playing baseball, God, for as long as I can remember, probably started younger. I played every sport you could think of, um, growing up, but then once I got to high school, I kind of started to realize that baseball might be the, the possibility for me to maybe go to college and play. And I didn't really know where it was going to go. I thought maybe I'll go play somewhere, some, somewhere smaller, just, just play to have a good time, keep going. Um, and then I started to kind of take it more seriously and, and started to see the benefits of doing that. Um, and I started to fall in love with it more and more. And then I kind of realized how much more I enjoyed it kind of than the rest of the guys I'd playing with. You know, I, I would be going to train and guys would be going to do something else. Or, and I was kind of like, wow, this is kind of cool. I like how much, how, how much I give to this and how much it gives me back. Um, and then I started to really see the benefits of that. I was a late recruit, so I didn't, I didn't really have a ton of offers until like my late, late, my junior year, my senior year, got my opportunity to go to Miami. Didn't play a ton my freshman year, sophomore year, but it was like, it was cool to me to see how much I enjoyed the game, even when I wasn't getting maybe the results I wanted. And that was when I was hooked. It was line hook and sinker there at that point. Um, and I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else after that. So grinded through that and then had a really good opportunity to play at both those schools um, and just kept getting stronger and stronger. And then the opportunity to play pro ball was kind of eye-opening to me too, to see how much, how much kind of I've learned throughout the game and how much I think I could give back to the game. And obviously in my role now, I, I kind of get to do that as well, but it's been a never ending and never evolving kind of love for the game. And it's been really cool to see it now from the coaching side and the kids that I work with. It's cool to see that same kind of love and makes me feel good about where the game's going. Yeah, I mean, my mine, uh, my baseball career, you know, that it ended in high school, but um, you know, I played other sports as well. But baseball is always one that, you know, just growing up, growing ups, uh, 
huge Cubs fan, uh, played baseball, couldn't get enough of it, played, played small travel ball circuit. And, um, it, you know, yeah, you know, after my senior year, you know, I wasn't aware of recruiting and the training and it's even evolved now since I was in high school, like immensely. So, um, so yeah, my career kind of ended there. Um, and you know, injured my shoulder, you know, you go through that process, you go through PT, you know, started getting really interested in, in movement and, and, and training and rehab and those kind of, those, those kind of fields and, um, realized, Hey, this might be a way that, you know, like I said earlier, allows me to, allows me to stay involved with the game. And, you know, that, that, that's kind of grown through my career. Um, and now I'm around a bunch of guys that, that have that baseball experience. So it's really nice to, have that contrast of, you know, Logan leans on me for some of the training stuff and I lean on him for some of the baseball side of things. And we're able to really work together. And, um, you know, he allows me to get in the heads of, uh, of baseball players in a way I couldn't on my own. And, um, you know, so, so we really give each other tools to, to, um, you know, to help each other develop there. But, um, you know, both, both of, uh, you know, John, our CFO, Bob, our director of player, player development, um, all college guys, you know, Bob played in, in the pros in the nineties. And it's just, you know, we're around a bunch of pro guys all day and, um, and a lot of young baseball players. So it's just really cool to, uh, to have that contrast, right. To like have a love for the game and be around a bunch of guys who, um, you know, I can lean on for that kind of stuff. So that, that's kind of my, my, my background and where the passion for working specifically with baseball players, um, really grew. Okay, so Logan, a couple questions here for you when it comes to your actual playing career. Um, you know, you said you went to St. Louis U, go to Miami, Ohio. Obviously, I know Miami, Ohio is a pretty good program. I don't know too much about St. Louis, but kind of take us through those experiences there at Miami, at St. Louis. Um, kind of take us through that experience and maybe the comparison between both those programs. Yeah, no, it was it was great. I mean, Miami, I, I walked in as a uh, – I was, I think, 6'4", 175-pound freshman, skinny, skin and bones, you know, walk in not really knowing what to expect. And it was awesome. I mean, Miami is an awesome place. I can't recommend it enough to anyone, no matter what you want to do. It's everything there for you. Um, and, but it was hard for me. I, I didn't, I wasn't good enough to compete at that time. I was good enough to be there, but not good enough to really compete. And it took me a long time. And I had a really a lot of good coaching, good coaching staff that really pushed me to get better. And I think I did a good job pushing myself. But, um, and then when I started to play more, I really started to see, how fun it is to play division one baseball. Um, but then, then COVID happened, uh, of course happened right during my draft year. I thought I had a good chance getting drafted. Um, COVID happens, you know, many more people had it way worse than I did. So I can't, not going to sit here and complain about it, but it gave me that extra year. Um, so I was like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go somewhere where I kind of want to start. I didn't see myself maybe having that opportunity to start at Miami. I thought I would benefit more as a starter. So I transferred to St. Louis, very different programs. I mean, in Miami, just the school culture is so different. You're in the middle of nowhere in Ohio. It's a huge party school, right? Like I, there's tons of kids there. And then I go to St. Louis where now you're dead in the middle of a big city. No one really cares about the school being there. Like it's good. The, the, the program's great, but it was awesome. I walked into a team that we had like 16 or 17 seniors. So like a lot of older guys, really good team. We had a good chance of going pretty far in tournament. We got one, we had a, a rough offensive show in the tournament, but, both programs, I can't say good things enough good things about. Great guys at both places, great coaches. I'm really blessed with the way that my college career went, for sure. 
Yeah. So then after St. Louis, you do go on to play a little bit of independent ball. I believe you played for a couple yep. teams there. Take yep. us to kind of how that came about, you know, just going the day-to-day of an independent, you know, pro baseball player. I hear a lot of good things about that. Um, kind of take us through what that independent ball experience was like. Yeah, indie ball is definitely interesting. Um, I so I at SLU, I was uh had a really good year. I, I don't know, I threw like 75 innings, had a good season. Um had a lot of indie ball interest coming out of SLU. Was lucky enough to play close to home in Juliet. Um, but it was definitely eye-opening to me. I uh I remember my one of my first I tell a lot of the story a lot, but one of my first losses, I uh we went back in the locker room and uh our head coach kind of walked in and slammed the door and you're like, Oh man, like, it's just like college where the coach is like freaking out. Right. And you're like, Oh goodness. Like we doing this again. And then he just like flings the door open and just like starts shooting, shooting crap with everybody. And you're like, Oh, so like, this is, this is pro ball now. Like people are okay. Like we're all adults here, but it's great. I mean, it's a grind. Like it's definitely not minor league or major league baseball. We don't get all those benefits, but it's cool. Cause you get to play with a lot of guys that are, are working their tail off to get to that next level. And you're also playing pro baseball players. So like, that's a, another step up and it's, you really have to like, you really have to do the work because it, it, that's where it really shows. And it was cool to me because I do, I feel like I do do the work and I was able to have decent success in indie ball. So it was a really good experience. And I learned a lot from it. Yeah, for sure. So for both of you guys here, you know, as you guys kind of, I guess, make that transition from your playing careers to more of the coaching side. I know James said, you know, after high school, you started to get really interested more in how the body moves, the performance side of stuff, things like that. It's kind of take us through the motivations that both you guys had for becoming coaches. You know, where did that transition kind of come from? What was the motivation? When did you guys realize that you guys wanted to be in the performance, wanted to be in the training and coaching side of the game? Kind of take us through that motivation and what that transition was like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so we, James, we can go with you and then we'll go to Logan. Okay, yeah. We're, Sounds good. That order here real quick. Sounds good. Um, yeah, so for me um, – you know, it, it, it really stemmed from, you know, I think there's a difference between <clears throat> really having an interest in something and having an interest in, in Canadian and going to school for it. And then, and then, you know, you're equipped with all this, you're equipped with all this knowledge. And then it's like, okay, you know, I kind of had, it was, it, it was kind of a transition to kind of get into the coaching space. Like, okay, what do I do with all this knowledge? You know? So, or, you know, what, what do I do with this stuff? How do I learn to apply this information that, that, that I've acquired and, and, uh, so I just followed the opportunities. Um, I had a really great mentor. Um, I live in Oak park in the city and, um, that he basically gave me my first internship, um, a, a great strength coach, Ross Oberlin, um, RC training and fitness in Oak park, um, semi-private gym. He allowed, he just gave me so many opportunities. He told me, he taught me how to sort of the art of coaching, right? Um, it's great that you have all this information, but, but your job as a coach is to be a filter of that information. And, um, to get a desired result for your, for your clients. Um, so I started, you know, started working with, uh, w- with the adult population, um, that, that evolved into me building my own, um, athlete program there. And, um, you know, basically, yeah, it's, it, you know, you just, I just kind of learned, learned as I went and leaned on, leaned on mentors and, you know, now on Instagram, there's tons of ways to do that. And you just meet people in the industry and, and um, you just get better at, at your craft. And, and so that's kind of where it got um, that that's for transition for me. It's like, you know, I actually, you know, was introduced to Bo Jackson's elite sports by an athlete that I had. I was like, Hey, we're switching over to this travel team. Showed me the place. I was like, well, who's running the weight room. I was, you know, 
talked to the guys a couple weeks later, I was inter- I was interviewing and, and got the gig and I was like, okay, well, here we go. Now I'm coming from training adults and having to, you know, coach adults to coaching almost hundred percent athletes. And, and um, so, so really a lot of just following the opportunities and learning as you go and learning from your mistakes and being really honest with, 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 with the things you've built. And, you know, over the last four years, it's like, some things have remained in our, in our program and other things I've, I've evolved and moved away from. And, um, you know, th- th- that's kind of how the transition is for me. And I feel like, you know, we're, we're, like I said, we're finally in a good spot, but just always still learning how to better serve our athletes is, is, is you know, that's an ongoing thing. So that's kind of how I transition into the coaching piece, turn that passion into a, into a career, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm very similar. I, I'd always in the summers um, when I was playing, even in college, uh, during COVID, I started coaching youth baseball, just needed to make some money during COVID, really liked it. Um, then I had the opportunity to kind of coach my younger brother through COVID. I kind of built all his programs, did his throwing. I was like, wow, this is kind of really fun. Like, I really think I, I'd be good at this kind of. So I was like, okay, let's like start looking at this. Really started doing the deep dive into the pitching mechanics side of things, the pitching metrics side of things. Obviously there's so many things you can see on social media now. So it's not, it wasn't very hard to get information. Um, and then I started to kind of realize how much I could help my teammates. So it was then like, Hey, I started talking to my teammates about things. We'd start having more conversations. I kind of realized how I kind of got that adrenaline spike and that, like that, that good feeling of like, Hey, I'm not even playing right now, but I'm coaching. I'm kind of helping these guys. Like, this is great. Um, and then I, like you said, in any ball, it, is where it really expanded is because sometimes in any ball, you don't always get like hands-on coaching. You're kind of, it's everyone for themselves a little bit. So I kind of took that role and I kind of, I was coaching guys that were older than me. I was having guys that were first round draft picks that were now in any ball coming to me for things that they needed help with. Um, and it was really cool. And then the year after that, I was in here um, last winter doing lessons and then was working with pro guys and the same type of situation. I was, I was starting to learn like, wow, this is, something I think I could be really good at. And I think I'm really good at communicating kind of what I'm trying to do. Um, and I really enjoy learning about it. And talking to James has opened my eyes up to a number of different things that have even pushed me farther into that coaching world. And I'm still learning a ton, but that never ending kind of like want to help people and like staying in the game. It's, it doesn't work much better than the gig I got right now. That's for sure. Yeah. So you mentioned there that you're, you know, you're still learning on the day, day in and day out basis. There's a coach. As I talk to a lot of coaches, I kind of hear, you know, that's, that's what's always happening. You're constantly learning there as a coach, I guess for both you guys, as you're kind of going through the beginning of your guys' coaching career. So, you know, Logan, when you're coaching your brother's travel team, James, when you're there, you know, coaching or training some, you know, some of those adults, and uh, I guess maybe kind of the first couple of years of coaching baseball as well, take us through maybe some of the biggest lessons you guys learned there at the beginning when you guys were trying to break into this whole training coaching world? Oh, that's a good one. Um, yeah. Some big lessons is I think for me is like not uh, to be too attached with your, with what you're doing, like uh, always check in with yourself, um, you know, uh, you know, to make sure what you're doing in the training world. Like, I think the biggest thing is like, Hey, you know, what, what is my job here? Um, it is to essentially help people achieve goals for better, for worse, and, um, and, and consistently get results, or at least put people on a, a, a path that helps them get results. So as long as that's at the forefront of what you're doing, um, how you're doing that, there's so many different ways. So for me, it's just been like, Hey, you know, we're running a block of training, you know, 
is this the best way to go about this? Um, and, and being really honest with yourself, right? Um, hey, do, do we need to change something here? And, and then, <clears throat> so you can do that privately within yourself as a coach. And then, you know, as you get better and you get more confident what you're doing, um, being more collaborative with your athletes and saying, hey, this is what I'm thinking. I think we're going to change this up. And I think a lot of that is just, so checking in with yourself, um, you know, checking your ego a little bit um, where it's like, hey, people can see through BS, right? So if, if you don't know what you're doing and, and um, you know, whether they know about it or not, or they whether they know about training or not, it doesn't really make a difference. Um, they can tell when they're being lied to, or, you know, it's just kind of BS and you're trying to pull the wool over their eyes or whatever. So um, it's, it's really just being honest with yourself over time. And um, that's how you create relationships. And that's how you're going to, you know, have people open up to you. And that's going to help you be better as a coach if you're just introspective all the time. So that's been a huge one. Um, again, it probably fits under the continuing to learn, but, um, you know, really checking in and stopping this, you know, the days can go really fast, right? Like we're in the middle of the off season. It feels like yesterday was September, you know, and, and we're just kind of getting started. And, and it's like, Hey, like, just, just make sure that, that, that we're getting results and, and, uh, and, and checking in with yourself. And it can be really hard to stop and do that in the middle of the you know busy schedule um, and just check in, Hey, look where I've come. Look, look what's changed. You know, just being honest with yourself. that that's been a huge thing for me. Learn how to be introspective. Yeah, but I would say the two biggest things for me is like the first one is kind of being aware of the things I don't know. Like I know early on when I was coaching, you're kind of like just trying to, everyone has a question, you're trying to always give them the answer, always trying to, oh, I know this, I've done this, this works, this doesn't work. And it's like kind of opening your eyes to like, hey, there's a lot, like James said, there's a lot of ways to do things and not to be so stuck on, hey, I've done, I've always done it this way, so we're going to keep doing it that way. That's the thing I see a lot, especially in baseball. I think you see that, hey, we've always done it this way. That's worked in the past, so we're going to keep doing it. Even if there are things that say, hey, maybe there's better ways to do this. I've definitely learned a lot from James. I'm like, hey, let's take a step back. Let's reevaluate what we're doing. Does this look like the best way to go ahead? Or are we collaborating well? Are the athletes feeling good? And it's like, and to go with that, I think it's it's also important to understand that you can, you got to talk to an athlete at the athlete's level. Like I I kind of get into the habit sometimes of like, hey, you got to do this or you got to feel this way or you got to need to make this small move as you go down the mound X, Y, Z. And then you look at the athlete and they're looking at you like you got one eye. And you're like, well, okay, I just wasted 10 minutes of my time. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what the ideal or the perfect way of doing things is. It's what's the best way for this particular athlete to get better or be the best versions of themselves instead of trying to form people to be like the perfect athlete or player or whatever it is. I think that's been a huge lesson for me. Um, and I think it really helps. I think all of us in the dome kind of, get the most out of the kids that we're working with. Okay. So yeah. I think just, just to, sorry, just to piggyback off that. Like, I think that's, that like, that's such a great point. And I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, it's like when you're a coach, you want to try to be as organized as possible and you want to have the perfect program and you want to have this system up this, the system that works and, you know, and that's great, you know, to, to have models is really helpful um, in movement and training and pitching, like all that stuff's really great. But until you're on the floor and you try to apply those things and you have experience applying a program and watching it fail before your eyes within five minutes when you hand it to a kid, you don't know what that means. So it's like, you know, it's really easy to take a program, apply it and be like, man, this looks awesome on paper. And then you go run it 
and you've just got a bunch of confused kids. So it's, you know, I've, I've, I've done that in the past where you're like, man, this is awesome. Or I just learned this concept. I'm going to apply it to everybody I know. And then it's like, yeah, this kid's in high school. Like we need to start with the lowest hanging fruit. Like this is not beneficial to him. Right. It's, um, it's, you know, so it's, it's really like, there's so much, there's so many rabbit holes in pitching and, and, and baseball performance and performance in general that you can go down. That's really cool. That doesn't really apply to our demographic right now. Um, it's nice to know that stuff. It's, we can nerd out on it, but um, it's like, yeah, you, you got to be able to walk in and go, how do I get this kid better? Like I said, how do you filter the information you have to a level where it's bite-sized? They can, they can, you know, it's easy for them to digest and 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 execute on a daily and weekly and monthly basis. So yeah, so yeah, that's that's huge. Okay, so just a couple more you know more overarching questions here before we do dig into the Bo Jackson elite side. Obviously, you guys are multiple years into your guys' coaching careers. You know, Logan, you said you were coaching there. You know, as you were still playing, like you said, coach your little brother James. From the sounds, of it, it looks like you've been coaching what probably seven, eight, maybe even. I think I think this is nine years. Okay. Yes. Like yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know, with both of you guys, you know, multiple years into your guys' training and coaching careers, I guess what would that advice be for maybe some new coaches trying to break into the coaching world? Oh yeah. Um, find, you know, it, if this is something you truly want to do, um, you know, have multiple goals, get as much of the background stuff. You know, if, if kinesiology is, is the way to go, go learn that um, and, and learn the basic stuff. Like it's a very similar concept to what I just talked about the athletes. Like don't get too high level, you know, right away, learn the basics, apply the basics, go find internships, go find people that you respect and go work in general pop, go work in an athletic population. Um, I think, you know, you, you, college is great. Like it's great. It's, it's awesome. Go learn that stuff. Um, go learn the anatomy, go learn the, the physiology side of things. But again, a huge piece of you being successful in this industry is being able to apply that. And, um, and you know, and I think the other big piece is so internships for sure. Go, go do a bunch of those, go work for free. Um, you know, you know, getting paid people where it's low risk for you. Right. And, and, uh, and, and learn and soak it up. Um, and then I think the other piece is probably just lost it. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Apply. Like, I think at a certain point, like you've got enough information, you have to learn how to apply it. Right. Um, th there's a coach that I really admire. His name's Killian Hamilton. He's up in uh, Toronto. And, and I think one of the best things I've learned from him was um, there's so much information out there now. It's really easy to latch on to the, the new shiny thing. Um, and there's more information on the internet than you would, than you even have questions about, right? So it's like, you'll learn a piece of information, go, man, I didn't even think about that. I got to go learn about that now. It's like, man, you've got information, go apply it. You'd be surprised how many people you can help with the knowledge you have, go learn how to do that. And as soon as you find your niche, then you can start to get into that stuff. Um, and, uh, and, you know, thrive on that. But, um, yeah, hundred percent. I would say those those are kind of the main things for me. Get, go get an internship and don't wait around. Just start applying. Um, don't be afraid to fail. You know, I know that's kind of cliche, but you're gonna fail. You're gonna suck. Um, you're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna look back and you're gonna cringe at the stuff you did two years ago. And that's like a part of the process. Everybody in any industry will probably tell you the same thing. So, um, yeah, 
don't be afraid, go act. Yeah. I mean, I'd say that the two big things on like on the pitching side specifically is like, um, kind of find your groove and, and don't be afraid. like fit coaching is scary. I mean, like, especially when you first get into it, the first time you build a program, like this is my first year kind of taking over a, a large group of kids and kind of running the programming. Like it's going to be a little scary. Like you're not always going to be a hundred percent sure that everything's going to work, but if you have confidence in what you know and you have confidence in the reasons for why you're doing things and you can understand the basics, like James said, and you can apply the, the, the main things, especially working with younger kids, like 90% of things that you do are going to work because you're giving them stimulus that they, they wouldn't have priorly or had otherwise. So you, you have to have that confidence in the stuff that you're doing, but then also on the other end, like I said earlier, you kind of got to know, Hey, there's things I don't know. There's things I'm going to learn. You can't try and know everything. Um, we use the saying here a lot where we don't want to have paralysis by analysis where you're just consistently trying to and analyze everything and then you end up doing nothing because you don't know that there's nothing that's for sure going to work. Um, that's definitely something that James has helped me through. It's like, hey, let's just run the program, right? Like, Let's let these kids do what they need to do or let the athlete do what they need to do and you'll learn as you go. But trying to make the perfect program from the beginning is never going to work. Just kind of hit the ground running and do the basics and do what you know is going to work. And then that's where you can kind of get into, like James said, get into the niche and then really dig in. But if you never get started, you're never going to do those things. And you're just going to, you're never going to be get out of that little hamster wheel. Okay. So as you guys look, and again, this will be the last overarching question before we do dig into, you know, Bo Jackson, dig into the grit of what your guys' day-to-day looks like. As you guys look back on you know, over the last four years of you kind of coaching James, the last you know eight or nine years that you've been coaching, um, kind of take us through maybe some of those best memories that come to mind when you think of just, you know, this again, the day-to-day, the grit you guys are going through, kind of take us through maybe some of those memories that come to mind when you think about these past so many years of you guys in this, in this world. For me, I mean, it's what everybody says. I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, we're lucky to be around some really talented players um, from, from high school age to, to professional athletes. And those moments are really cool, right? Like every strength coach, when they come up, is like, man, I wish I could work with athletes. And, you know, and then, you know, I remember getting my first pro guy and working with him and just being like, all right, well, this is what it's like. It's kind of, this is Monday. Right. And, and, and you got to, you know, there's things involved with that, but I think some of my favorite moments of coaching have been, you know, with my, you know, adult clients that something clicks for them, right? Like something clicks or I had, I'll never forget. I think it was last year. It's just a couple memories like this, but I had a young girl. She's like 12 soccer player and really quiet coming in. She's a goalie, like didn't say much to us and was still very much, um, still very much, uh, you know, getting used to the training environment and all of us as well. And, you know, what it means to train. And, you know, she was running, some sort of time sprint we had to run and, you know, and we try to make a touch point with all our athletes every session. So I'm like, you know, Hey, how did your sprints go today? And it's just like the biggest smile on her face. Like she got better, right? Like she improved. And it was just like, that stuff is like the intangible stuff that you're like, man, like those are kind of those things when you're grinding, like you'll drive to work someday and be like, man, I'm, I'm the worst coach ever. Like the, uh, the, you know, that session sucked. I should have done this differently, but those are the days and the moments when, you know, a kid, you know, you've given them, you've asked them a question, you've engaged with them. They've gotten better. And you're like, okay, cool. Like everything's good. Like that, that's really gratifying. Right. It's just, just seeing your 
taking someone who's unfamiliar with training and, 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 and that, and making it a place where it's like, Oh man, I want to come do this. Um, th- those have been the biggest moments for me. Um, you know, probably not the craziest answer. Like, yeah, I mean, we get some freaks in there, like Ryan Sloan. It's like, you throw anything at that kid and he's just like a physiological anomaly. He just is on the top of all our leaderboards. Um, he's just a freak, you know, he just handles it. Um, and that stuff's fun to watch, but, but in terms of just being a coach, like at the baseline level, it's like, that's what it's about. Yeah. I mean, I got two big ones that stick out. I mean, like I said, coaching my brother was really cool. Like kind of taking him and and getting through that and then grinding through that COVID summer. I mean, throwing at the local park, lifting in our basement. Right. And then all of a sudden I turn around and he's, he'd like, so 90, 91 junior in high school, he's committed to university of Illinois. Like that was awesome for me. Like seeing like, Hey, like having such a big part and obviously it's your brother. So you really want to see him succeed, but kind of being able to be that hands-on was awesome. And then I think the biggest one lately that was really cool for me is coming into to Bo Jackson only like really only starting running the programming this year, like seeing the culture that we've kind of been able to build. Like obviously it was with the holidays the last few weeks and we've got videos of guys like sending us videos and throwing on vacation. Like, it's so cool to me to see that we built a culture where guys want to get better. Everyone in the gym knows what the expectations are. I'm seeing guys, like, come up to me, like, hey, coach, when do I get to get on the mound? Like, I can't wait to throw. Like, it's awesome to me to see, like, to know I'm severely benefiting, like, the generation, the next generation is a really cool moment. And I think it's something we'll continue to build on. But it's, it's really cool to see that gratification, both for me and all of my athletes. Okay. So yeah, as I, kind of, sorry, what sorry, James. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I just had like one more one more thing that I thought of. Um, one of the cooler things too has been some of our college athletes getting to college and getting in their weight room and 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 you know, feeling prepared. Um, you know, oh man, we do some of the sprint stuff here, you know. I, I felt really prepared. We did this conditioning test and I felt really prepared and and I, you know, I, I know these movements and you know, it's very similar. And so like again just another gratification thing where it's like hey like yes we 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 look at the objective performance measurements but it's like hey man i want you to be walk into the next level and not walk into your weight room or and be like man i I don't know what any of this is you know you want to be there it's nice that our athletes are being sent off and getting to their you know college training programs and going man i feel like i can kind of hit the ground running a little bit you know um that was another one stuck out as I was listening to Logan talk. Okay. So <clears throat> as we kind of make that move to more of the Bo Jackson elite stuff, let's kind of go ahead. Let's flip that order. Go from Logan to James here for the next couple of questions. Um, just kind of take us through the connection you guys had there or how you guys got connected with Bo Jackson elite. Obviously both your guys' coaching careers kind of started at elsewhere. You guys went there to Bo Jackson. Take us through where that connection kind of came from. Yeah, for me, it was actually one of my indie ball teammates. So we were sitting around and I was like, Hey, like, I don't know. It was my first, real off season because I would just went from directly from college to indie ball. I was like, Hey, like, what do you guys do for this like off season? And one of my teammates was local. It's like, Hey, I work out at this, the Bodome in Bensonville. And I was like, Oh, like, I didn't even know that was up there. Like, like, what's that look like? And then he put me in touch with um, one of the guys that runs the travel organization here. He's like, Hey, I got a guy that wants to come train. And then I got in touch with James. And then from there I started doing all the gritty stuff I did. I was doing some lessons here. I was running, the programming, like the basic youth stuff we do at the Dome, it was really just like starting at, at zero. Like they needed a guy. I was a body. I needed somewhere to train. I was able to do both at the same place. 
um, and I just kind of slowly started to build relationships and and kind of put myself in a position where I could kind of create a, a better role for myself, which and I've been very lucky to have that opportunity. But yeah, I mean, honestly, it was if it weren't for my teammate, I probably wouldn't wouldn't be here talking to you right now. Yeah, for me, I was uh, like I said, it was you know at at my old gym, um, you know, uh, head coach there, doing my thing there, and one of my athletes was switching over to um, the Sparks program. The dad was kind of showing me the, um, the you know, the blueprints of for the dome and saw that there was, you know, the weight room in there. And I was like, you know, just had the presence of mind to say, you know, who is who's running that? And, you know, he's like, well, I don't know. I'll put you in touch with Dan Brewer, who's our director of baseball uh, uh, operations. And, yeah, like I said, two weeks later, I was uh, I was, you know, that July I was in a uh, in an interview and did a couple interviews and uh two weeks after that, you know, they brought me on. So, um, yeah, just kind of weird. Just having the presence of mind to ask, Hey, what's going on there. And, um, and, uh, and, and yeah, so that's how I got started. So. Okay. So I, obviously you guys are both at the point now to where you guys are directors, Logan, you know, obviously being that director of pitching performance, James being the director of you know, just overall sports performance. What were those initial roles there when you guys got started? Logan, I know you said earlier that this is your first off season kind of taken charge of you know training a bunch of different guys can i take us through those initial roles and maybe how they've evolved since joining the bo jackson elite uh, organization yeah so my initial role like i said earlier was i mean i was doing basically everything that needed a body for so i was doing lessons um on, i was running we have we have programs here all the time where just youth kids come in it's maybe a hitting league or it's a high school practice where they need guys just to feed machines hit fungos you know I was doing all that stuff, but I was kind of watching from a distance like, hey, I kind of see how the pitching is going. I think I can I can help there. And I started to kind of integrate into that a little bit. And then this summer, I kind of went to Dan Brewer, who's our uh, who runs the Sparks. And I was kind of like, hey, I think we can do this differently. Like, what do you think? And then we me and James and a couple other guys spent a lot of time, a lot of hours kind of putting that together. Um, they were gener enough, generous enough to let me do that. They gave me that opportunity. Um, so I started running that. And then we started this BSF pitching performance program, which is what we're running now. And due to the kind of the work I've been doing, they, they gave me the reins to that one. And it's, it's been really cool. It's kind of, it's cool to kind of start to have this, this almost separate entity and business that we're trying to build. Although we are still part of BJS and we wouldn't be able to do it without them. It's cool to kind of have that and grow into that role over time and kind of get to build the relationships inside the dome, get to know the people inside the dome. And kind of grow from there. Um, yeah, for me, um, let's see. I was sorry. Re repeat your question again. I'm sorry about that. Oh, uh, so, no, it was the initial roles there at. Uh, oh at, yeah. So yeah. So sorry, I was like listening to Logan. Um, yeah. So uh, the initial role for me was yeah. Look, we're we're having the director of sports performance. We. Uh, Brett Villan is our uh, director of sports performance of the Lockport Dome. So what, that's about a 40-minute drive south um, is, is about the difference between the two domes. So they brought me in. Um, I had run a semi-private model before. That's what Brett runs at Lockport, and that's what we run at Bensonville. So I was very familiar with that model and how to build it because I that's what I'd been doing at my prior space. Um, it was just a matter of like now, now I, you know, it's my job to grow that and implement it in this space. So – um, yeah, man, I mean, I, I was there, 
while there was still gravel in that dome, you know, getting the kettlebells and all the weights are still in boxes and I'm the guy pulling them out, getting the racks set up. And, you know, so, um, doing that work. And then, and then it's really like, yeah, like Logan said, it's, it's okay. It's that's the other piece about being a coach at this level is, is it's great to have all the, the technical skills and that that's the fun part is the coaching and being on the floor and programming and, you know, all those things. But it's also the it's it's having the the acumen in terms of business and, and growing that piece where it's like oh man like you kind of got to be a jack of all trades you got to be a good coach you've got to be a decent marketer you got to be able to develop relationships you know you have to manage you know the financial side of things and and staff and all that stuff so that was kind of the initial role it was really just building that what we're, where we're at now the last four years five years to where it is now and. Um, you know, I think just, just, ha you know, having clarity of vision, you know, just knowing where I wanted it to be, you know, I want to come in and have 20 athletes on the floor every day after school and, and uh, be able to support a few staff members and, and, uh, and, and just watch it grow and be, be at a spot. So that, that my initial role was just building everything from the ground up, which was very intimidating at first, you know, you you have no idea if it's going to work, if you're going to be good at it, but they really trusted me and just gave me the reins and, um, you know, their guidance was, was excellent, but, um, didn't micromanage. They really let me, you know, build it the way I wanted. And, um, th that is a, that's a huge benefit to where we're at now is, um, you know, I've got skin in the game after five years, you know, this thing's my baby and, and, uh, I'm just really proud of where, where we've brought it so far. Yeah. So obviously Bo Jackson Elite Sports is kind of, I guess, maybe more that that centerpiece when it comes to everything you guys are doing. But you guys both have mentioned, you know, the other entities that kind of come along with that, you know, the bigger, faster, stronger programs that you guys are working on. I know the Kangalowski Sparks somewhat play a role within Bo Jackson as well. Again, I don't know too much about I just know it's more surface level on that side. I guess how do all those different entities interact? Kind of what's that communication between you guys and the Sparks, you guys and Bo Jackson? How's bigger, faster, stronger play into a role? That might be a question just for one of you guys if you guys want to take it, but kind of how do all those entities interact when it comes to the Sparks, Bo Jackson, and the bigger, faster, stronger? Yeah, so Bo Jackson's kind of like the the big umbrella company, I guess you could say. So it's kind of like the the, the entity that covers the entire dome. A lot of the stuff that goes inside of the dome um, in regards to the Sparks is they can't, they, this is like the home of the Sparks, I guess is the easiest way to put it. So the Sparks are, they practice, every, all their practices are run here. This is their home, their home point, basically. And then in terms of BSF, BSF is our sports, our entire sports performance entity with inside of the BJES. So we run all, anything that has to do with sports performance is run through BSF. So a lot of the Sparks guys, they do our, they train with us, obviously, because it's convenient. And then we also have our BSF pitching program, which is going to be our pitching specific like uh, performance program inside of that BSF. So like in our weight room, everything along those lines is the falls under the BSF umbrella, if that makes sense. Okay. So again, I like when it comes to how different entities are interacting, when it comes to the Bodome you guys are at compared to that other Bodome, again, that was one thing when people said Bodome, I just kind of took it as the same thing, didn't really know. How do those two entities interact? Is it the same people owning it? Is it, I guess, how much communication is going on between you guys and maybe trainers at the other facility? How does that, how does that all work? Yeah, every, you know, so we are definitely our own domes and we just have different demographics. You know, our clients have different needs. Um, um, you, you know, the, the brands are by and large the same, right? Um, you know, Tyler Thompson's our director of uh, baseball performance. Uh, 
or sorry, baseball operations at Lockport. Dan Brewer is our guy here, right? So we just have mirrored roles, like, um, and so the level of the level of communication just kind of varies. Um, uh, you know, I can speak for us uh, on the BSF side. Brett Fallon is our director of sports performance at Lockport. Um, me and him, especially after we've kind of rolling out this um, the, the BSF pitching performance side of things, we got Ryan McWilliams over there. Logan's our guy here. Um, and so it, it, we've been a lot more collaborative um, in these last kind of six months-ish um, where, you know, like just today with all the snow we got here, me and Brett are like, hey, what are we doing with with, with the dome, you know? And so we had to make that decision. And um, it's been a lot more collaborative. So you're going to get a very consistent experience depending on regardless of what dome you're um, training at. So, yeah, we're all under the sparks you know, we're, we're all Sparks guys. What we try to do is say, hey, you know, if, if we needed a kid to go train at, at, at Lockport because he lives closer, you know, you're going to get a very similar training experience and training environment as you would at Bensonville. So, um, you know, it's just it just helps to have two facilities. So, um, yeah, a, a lot. And it's really cool. Like, you know, me and Brett are able to it's really nice to have another guy to lean on in terms of this, you know, hey, what are you doing in this programming? What are you doing this time of year? You know, and, and, and really bounce and be collaborative. So. Yeah, for sure. And so when it comes to the the day to day, obviously, I know, Logan, you said there, you know, you, 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 you said you're doing a little bit of your own training there as well before the kids come in. I guess kind of take us through what the day to day looks like for both of you guys off season, in season as well. I know a lot of times, obviously, those guys, you know, they're not training as much when they're, you know, playing games throughout the week. What does that day to day look like for both of you guys when it comes to, you know, right now in this off season, but also in that spring and summer when the kids are playing games? Yeah, right now it's, uh, it's cool because in the morning I kind of come in. I, like I said, I do some training just to keep active. Um, and that's when our pro guys are in. So we, I kind of train work, train and coach them at the same time. So that's a really cool experience for me. Um, we do that. And then once two o'clock rolls around, it's, it's, a, it's a free-for-all in the gym. It's kids start showing up whenever they can. Um, and it's just coach mode. It's uh, running the pitching stuff. It's helping out in the weight room but mostly it's just trying helping guys when they don't know a drill i like to be hands-on but hands-off at the same time so i like to have guys hey this is how we do this this is why we do this This is what we're trying to do but then i'm also not going to hold your hand and and make you do it because i'm a true believer that if you can't help coach yourself you're never really going to make it very far um especially in the game of baseball and with how with just how it works so that's kind of my day-to-day yeah, very similar. Um, in the morning, you know, I've got a little guy, so I get my get my kid to school. Um, you know, whether I need to answer emails, set up consultations for new athletes, um, adjust programming, um, things like that. I'll get in, you know, probably a little after Logan. Um, hit meetings if we need to. Touch base about the week, about the day with um, Logan and Coach Adams, our head coach, um, in the weight room there, and. Um, you know, whether we're testing that week, uh, getting metrics for guys, um, you know, Hey, we got new athletes starting up today. Let's get there. Um, yeah, it, it really depends. And then, yeah, it's basically coaching from, you know, in the off season we're, you know, two to eight. So, you know, we got guys coming in right after school. Um, you know, they'll come in, they'll get their, thro- if, if they're pitching guys, they come in, they get their throwing stuff. They get their drill work done first. Then they get in the weight room, um, you know, they're sprinting, throwing med balls, getting their plyometric stuff done first, getting to their strength stuff, whatever, whatever that is for the day and, and uh, getting in and out of there. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the semi-private model guys come in that got the programs on their, on their, on their phone and, 
and uh, they're getting after it. And we're just kind of monitoring guys and, and, and coaching them up. So. Okay, so let, let's kind of go ahead. Let's flip this order around one more time before we do dig into more a couple individual questions for both of you guys here. So Logan, so let's go from James to Logan. But Logan, earlier you mentioned about that company, that culture that you guys have going on there. You know, it's Christmas break. People are sending you videos. People are wanting to get on the mound. You know, as when I talk to coaches, you know, they love seeing that type of stuff. And I'm, I, I'm sure that that's a great feeling there. Kind of take us through the culture that you guys have at the BFF, B, is it B, BSF is how I say it? BSF, yep. Okay, so that culture there, BSF, Bo Jackson, um, how that was built, where it's at now, and maybe what's even led to that success there with, you know, all those entities there underneath that umbrella. I think yeah, I'm going to think. Oh, you, you want me to go first? Right? James, Logan, okay. whoever wants to start it. I think, um, I think you know, yeah, the, the culture – First of all, the brand. I mean, obviously, yeah, you got you got a name like um, like Bo Jackson on your on your front door. Um, you know, I think that that says a lot, right? I mean, um, we're arguably talking about the greatest athlete of all time, and and Bo is not a guy that, um, you know, he didn't just put his name up there. You know, he he's in he was involved with kind of the culture and how how the business runs, and and that permeates through all the all the facets of the business and. Um, certainly the coaches and the pieces in play that are in, in, uh, you know, leading those facets, um, have their own, have their own, um, you know, uh, touch on the, on the culture there. Um, Dan Brewer's awesome. You know, any, anytime you walk in there, we got high school practice. You can be sure to hear, hear Dan, you know, uh, you know, ripping into guys and, and, and it's high energy and, um, expectations are really high in that program. And, you know, that's something that, that that's awesome for us to see. And then, you know, we have our own culture in BSF, right? And I think a big piece of it is when you're working with young athletes, <clears throat> whether you like it or not, you can set the tone, you can set standards and expectations, but you got to let those kids, If you know, I think from my point of view, you don't let them, you know, have run of the place. Obviously, you got to set standards, but, but kids – kids have all the culture you need if you let them, you know, these athletes have all the culture. So, so we kind of foster that, you know, it's like, Hey man, yeah, we love to see guys joking around. We got guys on different teams that don't that never knew each other. And now they're, now they're good buddies and like they get their throwing done together. And um, you know, we're starting to get some more softball players in there and everybody's just interacting. And yeah, it's like, Hey man, we can have really, we can have a lot of fun and then flip the switch and get after it. Right. And get what we need to uh, get done. And, um, we're just managing that culture, man, in, in the weight room, um, from my perspective. And, and, and I love it, man. I think that that's also my favorite part of this, this job is, is, uh, the relationships you build and, um, you know, those things are strong, man. I mean, you got, uh, you know, those relationships are strong with the, between the families and the coaches and the, and the athletes. It's, it's great. So that's culture from, from my perspective, I think. You know, I think especially for me, I guess more on the pitching side, it being the first year, it was it was the main thing was just trying to get some buy-in. Like a lot of these kids have never had a super structured uh, pitching program. So like a lot of these guys for the first time, they're having throwing scheduled six days a week or five days a week. They have their lifting. They have everything out in front of them. So getting to see the benefits of kind of getting that stuff done and getting in that routine of getting their work done, knowing, hey, every day I need to go do my stuff. It's not, oh, I just feel like it today, so I'm going to go do throwing, or I don't feel like it tomorrow, so I'm not going to go. And I think, like James said, the kids want to get better. So now when we put the opportunity in front of them and show them what to do, and now it's like, hey, now you just got to go do it, 
And I think it, we were, we do have the benefit of having the Ryan Sloan's, having pro guys in there, having like people that uh, the younger kids or the, maybe the other kids in that age group can see and be like, hey, this kid's really good or this guy's really good. What is he doing? And then it's like, oh, I want to do that. So I'm going to start doing those things. And we've kind of been able to, like James said, kind of build that culture organically. And now we kind of, and now the expectations are set. So it's like, hey, this is what we expect. Obviously, you walk in, you see Bo Jackson, and like James said, there are expectations there. But it's now it's just like we don't even have to force that. Kids are coming in, and it's and if you don't want to get better, it's like okay, well, we're we're giving you everything you can. Now it's kind of a little bit on you, and I think that's where that culture really grows from. Okay, so I do. Yeah, it can't to... always come. Sorry, James. Can't always come from the coach, right? I mean, it's we, we we've got to build autonomy in these kids. Like if you know if if. Um, you know, our job as a coach is yes to coach, but also create autonomy and like, Hey, you've got to want these things. You've got to make the sacrifices. You've got to make this part of your schedule. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's awesome when, when you see that. Right. And it's not every kid, but as long as that culture is there, um, yeah, you hope it permeates a little bit. Okay. So kind of digging into the nitty gritty here of, you know, the evaluation, the program side here, this is kind of, we're going to break it up. James, I'm going to go with you, have a couple questions for you. Then Logan, we'll kind of go to you with your program and their pitching side. James, obviously you being their sports performance, you're working with everybody, hitters, pitchers. I don't know if you're working with other sports as well. We can kind of dig into that, but you know, how much collaboration communication is going on there with the hit with guys like Logan, with whoever your guys' hitting trainer is uh, kind of take us through with that collaboration and what that communication looks like with those other guys there at the, at the um, facility. hundred percent. I mean, I mean, it's everything. I mean, I, I see Logan on, we talk on a daily basis. So um we get a new, we get a new guy in and um, we're lucky to have some great technology um, uh, to get in. So, so it's like, Hey, here's what I'm seeing from a movement perspective. Here's what we're seeing from, you know, what does a kid need, right? Does he just need to get stronger? Does he, you know, um, you know, is he pretty strong? Do we need to start working on things like rate of force development, getting him faster um, and more explosive, those things. So um, yeah, from an assessment piece, kid comes in, uh, we use a company called Vald um, and, they have some great range of motion tools. We, we use their force plates. Um, we just started using their, uh, their timing gates as well. And these are great pieces of technology that give us a ton of uh, insight and uh, ability to individualize a little bit and really, really get into the nitty gritty of, of what a kid needs. So we'll come in, we'll do range of motion, um, you know, shoulder, hip, trunk rotation, cervical rotation, um, some things like that. Um, that's all, that's all kind of tracked and stored. And then, um, you know, then we move into kind of our strength testing. So, uh, we'll get, uh, you know, we'll get a few jumps on the force plates. We'll do an isometric thigh pull that gives us some nerdy stuff that I don't know if you want to get into, but, uh, uh, you know, DSI and RSI dynamic strength index, uh, reactive strength index. And basically it just gives them a score and categorizes them. Hey, this is a more force dominant athlete. This is a more elastic based athlete, you know, does he need more strength? Does he need more um, speed? And we can kind of shift their programming, shift those ratios in their programming individually pretty easily based on those scores. We're testing that every, you know, six weeks or so, four weeks and, uh, and, and keeping them accountable. keeps us accountable as coaches to see those kind of objective results. And, uh, and we're, we're moving through their programs like that, you know, um, we, we use an app uh, that allows them to track their, their own, uh, 
you know, progress and, and weights. And that makes it really easy for the volume of athletes that we have to, to track and manage, um, which as you grow becomes a big, a big headache if you're doing that by hand. So having some of this tech and some of these, uh, big system to track data is, is, is huge. And, uh, the kids love it, right? It's just another way here. Hey, here's what this means. All you need to know is that, um, cause right. Kids want to come in and they just want to, um, they just want to like chuck tin around, right. They just want to pull heavy and which is great. Like, like, that's great. Like it's always going to be a part of a program, whether you're that kind of athlete, it's just, Hey, what ratio are we doing at? So we're making sure that this is translating to the field. Cause at the end of the day, um, that's what matters if you're really trying to, to, to you know, make the transition, uh, to play at the next level. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of, uh, that's it. And then, and then, and then I go to Logan and say, Hey, here's what I'm seeing with this guy. If you're trying to get him in this position, we're, we're going to work on this and, uh, and, you know, vice versa, Logan will get a guy, Hey, you know, what are we doing with this? And we'll go back. We can, we can look at our data and, and, uh, and, and kind of tweak and it's, it's, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's a really cool process. The collaboration is, is great. Yeah. You, you talk about that quote unquote nerdy, nerdy data that you talked about. I, I took my first look at a Hawk and dynamics force plate uh, sheet on a player the other day. And it was yeah. like reading another language. It was like, what yeah. does this mean at all? It was uh def definitely yeah. research after seeing it and to really, to really understand kind of what it meant, but um, kind of look, looking through, you know, going about building a program for some of these guys, Kind of take us through in the first evaluation. You know, someone comes along, they start training with you guys. What are some of those things that you're looking for throughout that first workout? How does that kind of incorporate into building that plan? How much does the technology play a role as well? Kind of take us sure. through that first evaluation of a player. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the first thing we do is like we, we ask a ton of questions before we even touch them, right? It's like, hey, what, you know, what's the injury history like? Um, just as ge a general athlete, like, are, are we dealing with any industry injuries or any, is anything bugging you? Um, you know, uh, what is training looked like the last four months is a big question I ask, right? Cause it's, you know, when you're kind of coming into a program like this, where it's like, Hey, you know, in the off season, three to four days a week is kind of what's required. So um, when's the last time you did that? <laughs> and it's, and sometimes it's like, yeah, I do that all the time. Or I just go to the FFC and, you know, go on YouTube and copy Chris Bumstead's workouts and uh, just become, try to become a big meathead. Or it's like, Hey, I came from a different facility. So it's like, that kind of gives us an idea of like, you know, their competency and training. Um, uh, what are they looking to get out of this? Hey, if you do, you know, if you do kind of stick to the plan for four months, what do you hope to accomplish? Um, because here's what it takes. And, um, you know, oftentimes, right. It's just like, got to get faster, you know, and that's fine. You know, like 90% of it's all the same thing. Got, got to get faster, got to get stronger. And it's like, sure. Right. Of course. But you know, if there's something specific, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this showcase or, you know, uh, the school's recruiting me and they'd like to see these numbers and it's like, cool. So now we have some specific stuff. Um, I'll help guide that goal setting process a little bit too. If, if it's like, Hey, based on your force plate numbers, um, we just need to get stronger and you need to come in and talk about the, you know, we talk about the nutrition piece a little bit and, progressively overload and or uh hey man you're really strong like you're through the roof you know peak powers through the roof that kind of stuff rate of force development how fast you're producing that power isn't quite there so we're going to adjust your program here um and we need to make those numbers change and and so the tech is great for us but it's also a great like logan said earlier it creates buy-in because they go oh okay like 
this is an objective number that that this is going to make me a better baseball player and it starts to click you know and so it's like it's like oh doesn't that confuse the athlete it's like well like like i said you you don't have to get into the degree of an athlete you just have to say hey your rsi basically tells us how well you can get off the ground how well you can utilize the, the stretch shortening cycle right how quick you are explosive or poppy right like you are and they're like oh okay so right the, it, you know if i'm over here or you know, I want my number to be this one, my RSI number to be higher. I'm just like, yep, exactly. Like, or I want my peak force number to be super high. And also my rate of force development number to be really high. Right. So it's like, I'm really strong producing a lot of force in a short amount of time. It's like, okay, I can, I can grasp that. Most high school kids can grasp that. Now you're creating buy-in. Now, every time we're testing, we're seeing that stuff. It, now they come in and they're like, Hey, I see this program, but I also know how I need to execute this program in terms of intent. To, you know, to move the needle on those metrics next testing day. And so it's really been a cool, it's really been cool to apply that and, and see those kids kind of create buy-in there. Um, from there, it's like, Hey, you know, we, yeah, we talked to Logan. It's like on the pitching side, what do we go, what, you know, what do we got to get done in terms of the sports side? Um, you know, it's great to have Logan there for that. Or, Hey, if I, you know, if it's a spark kid, it's like, Hey, I go to Brewer. I'm like, Hey, what do you need to see from this kid on the field? You know, that's kind of my job as the, as a as strength coach is, Hey man, like, Oh, he needs to do this or, you know, it's like, oh, there's certain things they say, right. It's like, Oh, he needs to get, you know, whatever it is. He, you know, you hear the, these buzzwords and it's like, okay, well, I know what that means. So I'm going to implement this. And, you know, so it's, 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 it's that collaboration. It's, it's going to a coach and saying, Hey, what are you seeing from this guy on the field? cool. I think we can address some of that in here. Here's what we're working on it becomes really collaborative. And that's, what's great about having all those guys in this, under the same roof. Yeah. So as you start those programs with some of those guys, um, I, I earlier, you kind of mentioned, you know, every coach has gone through, they build a program, kind of, sometimes it fails, stuff like that. I kind of take us through some programs that when you are starting them with athletes, maybe some programs that have failed, maybe some examples that yeah. you remember from that the past couple of years, um, and even talking about maybe how some of these programs build upon each other as these athletes get into the programs, they grow, they start to get better. How do the programs maybe even build upon each other as well as the athlete gets better? Yeah, so, so for sure, I mean, I could go back and just like just – really cringe at some of the stuff I did five years ago. Right. And, um, and I think one of the things that's sort of a safety net, and this is one of the things I talked to Logan about is, you know, we're talking about kids here and, you know, I'm always super honest, right. Once you kind of have the background of like how adaptation is created um, physiologically and neurologically, you can kind of understand that with an untrained person, kid, that just about anything works, right. You could, throw the most, you know, dog shit program at a kid. And if they come in and do it four times a week, you're going to see improvement. Right. So, you know, that, and that's great. So it's like, then it's just a matter of like, okay, since we know anything works, how do we do just enough to get that adaptation and have them recover enough to come back in the next day? So you really start to play around. It's really a volume and intensity thing. Um, you know, so we have, we have a few ways we handle that, right? We have some general templates, right? We've got a kid that comes in for, for eight, like an eighth grade, never trained before. We have a beginner general template that we use. We're going to address any mobility stuff we see in there, any stability stuff. But a lot of that is like, it, it, it's really the basics, right? It's like, hey, let's, let's learn and load and progress a squat pattern, you know, whether that's a, uh, a goblet squat or, you know, just a, a kettlebell hinge and, let's progress them there. You know, let's teach them sprint, sprint mechanics and, 
yeah, sure. We're going to gamify it a little, little bit by, by, by timing their sprints, right? But it's like, we're going to do our sprint work and go like that. So it's very basic on a level Then we have like an intermediate one, right? Where it's like, cool, man, you, you know, you're in there, but you know, um, it's still very new to you or, you know, progress them through that. And then we kind of have like our off season, more advanced athlete training that it's, that's where it starts to get more fun where it's like, Hey, we're, we're using a high, low model or it's like, we've got more of a dynamic day a max effort day, a day off, a max effort day, a dynamic day, right? So it's dynamic days. You're looking at more multi-planar movement, quick ground contacts, our top speed sprints. Um, that stuff's very taxing on the CNS. It's not as like physically taxing. So we can split those adaptations into two days, right? So it's like, hey, I can sprint you a ton and you might be a little taxed, but I know that coming into that max effort day, it's going to be, you know, that's where your heavier lifting or heavier strength work is going to be coming in. You're still going to be able to complete that. And, and, and so we separate those adaptations a little bit day off and kind of run that. So it really just depends, right? It's all about taking them from an assessment, um, understanding where the athlete is at and placing them in that category. And that's the thing as a coach, it's just like, Hey, we're going to try this, right? Cause sometimes we put a kid in a beginner thing or we put him in a, um, it, we put him in, in a more advanced or an intermediate and it's either like, oh shoot, this kid can can probably move up up a step, right? We can probably challenge this kid a little more, or shoot, we actually probably overshot this. Let's bring this kid back. So that that's where I've made mistakes in the past, where where you um, we're like, oh man, this kid's a beast. We're gonna get him the most advanced thing. You get him in the weight room, and it's like the assessment doesn't stop after that first day, right? The assessment is always going. You're always looking how a kid moves under load and sprints and. So it's like just 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 doing that, and, and and it's such an experiment. Training is such an experiment. When you know everything works, it's just about kind of like, all right, physiologically, yeah, we know these things work. But it's like, hey man, how does the, how is this kid motivated? How does he move? You know, he might be a dog in the baseball. We were just talking about it yesterday. We got guys that are absolute freaks on the field or in their sport. They come in the weight room, and they're just not weight room guys. So it's like they're just not like. They've just figured it out how to do it. And then we have the vice versa. So you're just figuring out all those things and managing that. And you're managing stress. That's kind of, you're managing the stressors. And, uh, you know, uh, so that's kind of how the assessment process evolves. That's where I've made mistakes in the past. And um, you just get better at it. You know, you start to see some kids come in you, and, and athletes come in and you start to be like, all right, I can kind of put this kid in a certain archetype. You know, I've seen kids like this before. I've seen pro guys like this before. I understand how they move. I'm going to start them in a similar way. And again, that process can be more collaborative based on the maturity of the athlete and the training um, experience of the athlete. Like our pro guys, it's more like, hey, what's worked for you in the past? What's been working for you, right? As opposed to like, here's my magic program that you have to do. Like, you know, it's like, hey, we're going to do, we're, we're going to get you where you need to be a lot easier if we're more collaborative on this with a youth kid, they don't have that experience. So it's like, Hey, we're just going to start here and we're going to build you up and you're going to see those things. And you're going to see those metrics improve every four months. So that's kind of like a, that's a 10,000 foot view on okay. kind of how I look, how I look at athletes stuff. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of rabbit holes to go down, but. Okay. So as you kind of touch on like the difference of the programs, when it comes to the maturity of the athlete, I want to talk about the difference of the programs when it comes to, in season compared to the off season. Obviously, I know as we talked about before we started recording, you know, this time of the year is probably when it's just, you know, absolutely crazy for you guys there at the facility. 
What are those yep. how are those programs different when it comes in season, off season? And again, I want to kind of get your take on the importance of training in season as well, because I know some athletes kind of shut it down training wise when it comes to when they're playing a bunch of games. So kind of take us through the yeah. in season and off season. For sure. And I think overall, right, I think in the past, uh, um, that has been a very it's it, the answer to that is it's a very polarized thing, right? It's like, oh, man, you get after it you get after it in the off season and you just do this, but it's like, now you're looking at how travel sports, you know, not just baseball, softball, soccer, there's no such thing as an off season. Like these kids are playing showcases in the winter, you know? And it, it's like, so it, it, again, it's, it's, I wish it was as simple as these high school kids are playing more games and probably have a higher workload than some of our pro guys were like, Pro guys actually come back and they have four, three to four months off of baseball where these kids are like, well, I'm still trying to push it. So it's like, yes, as an ideal world, you know, it's like, man, I wish you could just not do this, but that's not happening. So I have to, that changes my approach on how we're managing these guys. It's like, all right, so here's how we're doing it. Right. Off seasons, pretty, pretty straightforward. Right. It's like, all right, you're going to go do the showcase. Um, so you know, in December, you know, you play baseball for two months and we're still ramping you up or whatever. There's only so much of that you can control. So, um, so, so what we do is, you know, in the off season in general, speaking more general terms in the off season, athlete comes in, getting them through their assessment process, getting some baseline metrics, you know, early on, it's like, cool. What, what are the early off season goals, right? Let's maybe put some more size back on that we've lost during the season Let's um, build up tissue tolerance um, for things like sprinting, plyometric work, you know, more intense work, um, you know, build up those strength numbers early off season, um, you know, kind of check those boxes, right? Um, really lay the foundation for, for the more intense uh, blocks of training later in the off season. Then we kind of, um, you know, so we kind of, I guess it's, it's, it's called conjugate where it's like, Hey, if it's important, we're going to train it all, all year long. Right. So it's like, it's just the ratios of those things that we're training matter more. So in the early off season, we can be a little more sore, right? Cause we want to go play a game tomorrow. So we can push the intensity a little bit. We can kind of, we can, we can deal with um, having longer recovery periods, things like that. Um, and then as we move through, it's, it's, uh, it, it's really high intense, right? Like get really high intense, give yourself a day off really high intense. And we kind of move through those power blocks, things like that. Um, because we, we have more time to recover as we sort of transition into the season. It's we, we, we go to a high low model. So basically because all these kids schedules are unreal. So first of all, it's like, Hey, you absolutely need to be training in season. Um, but the things that change, the intensity can still stay high, but the volume changes, right? Cause you, cause it's like no longer the goal to, you know, you can actually get better in the end season, but it's like, we still need you to be ready to go play games. So um, you know, we say two, two times a week, if you can get in, find a way to get it done. Uh, we make sure we truncate those programs where it's like, Hey man, you can get in here and get your stuff done in 45 minutes and, uh, and, and get out of here. Right. Cause we understand, you know, you got practice, you're coming in late, you're tired, you got homework, you know, and then, you know, the Midwest, it's like, you know, you know, you don't actually play any games until, you know, May. And then you got 10 games a week cause you're still waiting for the weather to clear up. And, um, so it, it is difficult. Um, but we try to instill those things in them in the off season. And as guys train with it, like, Hey, it, it is important. So high low, right. You got a kid to come in. Everybody's got different schedules. So, Hey coach, I don't have to play until I have a day off tomorrow. Cool. Well, we're going to do a high day because we need you to get a, we need to, to, to get a training stimulus. 
you have a day off tomorrow, you might have to practice. So, you know, what we do is we just, we cut off, um, we, we cut off intensity or we use our bar speed. Uh, we use uh, velocity based training in, in season where it's like um, bar speed kind of lets you manage uh, uh, um, intensity, right? So the slower the bar is moving, probably the heavier the weight is, right? So we'll give them like zones to operate in. Hey man, once you fall below that zone, you're done, right? So we're managing fatigue. So they're just getting that touch. Um, and, and then they're stopping and, um, we're just kind of cutting back volume, you know, 10%, um, in and out. And then, uh, and then it's like, coach, you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm trashed or I got a game tomorrow. Cool. We're going to go a little lower, you know, and that's, you know, some more extensive plyometric stuff, some, some movement based stuff, um, just let them feel good. And, uh, that seems to be working real, real well. We don't have a ton. Of, we haven't luckily had a, had a ton of injuries, um, to deal with, you know, that stuff happens, but, uh, that's kind of how we're moving from off season to, to then switching to the in season intensity is important. It stays high. It's basically just like how much based on their schedule, based on their planning schedule, things like that. Okay. So I got one last question before we get Logan back here on the, before we get Logan back here on the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. um so again, as we're kind of talking about differences here, you know, is there a big difference when it comes to training pitchers and hitters? in the weight room? Like, is there a big difference there? Obviously a lot of the movements are the same, but you know, for you, what's kind of the difference there training pitchers and hitters? I think, um, you know, I think you look at stuff like, um, so, so first of all, it's like, we look at our demographic, right. And it's like, by and large, you know, in our demographic with our high school guys, it's like, it's great. It's great to think about those guys and separate their training based on pitching stuff. And, you know, whether they're a pitcher or a hitter. Um, but the reality is it's like, all these guys need general qualities, right? Cause they just don't have the training background yet. So it's like a guy needs to get fast. We're going to get a guy fast. There's not really a difference there between, you know, pitchers and hitters, um, r- rotational power. The idea of that adaptation, it's a general adaptation for me. Um, we're going to develop that sort of the same way. Sure. We'll use some different med ball variations and, and we'll train, you know, hitting's a little bit more strength based. So we'll kind of, you know, we'll use a little bit heavier med balls, you know, for those guys and, 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 and the types of throws we're using are going to be different than, than a pitcher who's relying on more, you know, their elastic strength or their ability to, you know, uh, uh, you know, get long and then contract really quickly. Um, and we'll use lighter med balls for those guys, but it's like, we're kind of building strength the same way. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's not like, um, both guys need unilateral strength, one leg strength. They both just need to get, you know, lower body power, upper body power. So, um, by and large, yes, I think what's really interesting now that we have Logan and we got the pitching side of things, um, is, Hey, he's, I'm seeing this on the mound, um, with him, you know, is there something we can do, you know, with Ryan, um, a big thing this off season for him was just learning, uh, to get, um, a little more stable on that, like lead leg, that block leg. So it's like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like there's ways we can train that, right? It's like, hey, here's what I want you to, um, here's how we're gonna warm up. Here's how we're going to use some isometrics to make you feel comfortable um, on that leg, um, coordination, balance, that kind of stuff. So absolutely having that input from the coach and I'm worked so closely with Logan, it's really easy to get that on a guy because we're right next to next to him. Hey, I'm seeing this, come watch this. Oh yeah. Okay. Let's try this. And, you know, vice versa. Hey, we're going to switch his med ball stuff to this. Cause I'm having this problem. Awesome. So yeah, f- f- from that way, for sure. Um, and a lot of that stemmed from the, from, from the, 
assessments too, right? We'll see stuff that's just glaring. Uh, you don't internally rotate very well. You don't externally rotate very well. Is this something we can improve? Is this just a bias that you have? And we have to teach you how to um, lean into that bias and use that because that's how, that's your movement signature and it's individual to you. Um, I think a lot of times these guys see, you know, oh man, I, you know, I got to do this drill because I got to throw like this. And it's like, yeah, there's general things. I think Logan will attest to this. There's general things you want to see on the sports side. There's general things I want to see just on the general movement side. Um, but it's also so dependent on, on the anatomy of an athlete, right? Their preferences doesn't automatically make it wrong because sometimes, uh, you know, those things are what make you good. Um, you know, and it might look a little weird from the next guy, but to think everybody's going to move the same and have the same levels of performance is silly. You know, you got to really look at a kid and, and, uh, understand that there's variability there. All right. So making that switch from the performance side there to pitching, obviously Logan, can I dig into kind of the thing that we're going to dig into everything we kind of talked about there with James? Um, can I want to go through the first evaluation again? You know, when you're looking, watching a guy get on the mound for the first time, go through a workout, when you're getting ready to build a program for a pitcher, take us through what you're looking for throughout a first evaluation. Yeah. I mean, our evaluations, that's the best part about being so close tight with James obviously is our evaluations is this, are the pretty similar um, and the use of the technology allows us to kind of get an idea of what a kid what he might struggle with honestly even before he steps on the mound so then what I'll do is I'll take I'll take those numbers look at those I mean I, and then obviously we'll have them throw um, if they're ready and when they get on the mound I'm just looking for basic tendencies really it's hey are you a guy that thinks that what are you trying to do in your first move? When you lift, are you trying to gain some momentum? Are you guys going to stay pretty static and you're more of a drift and drop guy? Or what is your arm path doing? Are there any injury factors that I see? Like, hey, who I really don't like that. That could be a serious injury. Really, in my mind, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to create, here are three things, the main things that we need to fix. And if I can give, give a kid, hey, this is one, this is two, this is three. If we can fix those things, 99% of the time, that kid's going to get a lot better. And then once we get the kids like Ryan Sloan, obviously, who there probably isn't three things he needs to fix. That's like James said, where it is. Okay, let's get really into the lead leg block. Let's make sure that we're nailing that and then let the rest of our stuff work. It's for me, it's just trying to find like figure out what they do, how they move. And then what are the th two or three main things that we can fix to really allow them to see the most growth in an efficient amount of time. Okay, so as you're as you're evaluating a player, kind of take us through your process when it comes to building a program for a pitcher. You know, whether that's his workouts before he gets on the mound, on the mound, flat ground work. Again, I'm I'm not big into the perform like I don't know have too much background performance side, but I do like kind of you know taking through like the step by step of building a program. Kind of take us through your process when it comes to building that program for a pitcher. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the first thing, obviously, is like James said, he asked a lot of questions like, hey, what's your history? Have you had any injuries? Have, what have you trained before? And then when you look at the program, it's like, OK, we know, for instance, this kid isn't very good at at hinging into his hips and then he doesn't rotate very well. So, like down the line, that's going to create a lot of issues. But I know if we don't address the main issues, we don't keep the main thing, the main thing, it's going to be a problem. So in the program, it's going to be you're going to have more focus on those issues. It's not saying that you're not going to touch on, hey, coach, I don't feel like I can throw a breaking ball very efficiently. So you're not just not going to throw breaking balls and work on that stuff. But, hey, you're not rotating right, so you're never going to be able to efficiently move forward and spin the ball correctly because of this problem. 
So this is what we need to fix first. So our program is, is very similar. Like James it's broken into the days. So like day one, you'll have a focus where like, we're going to work on the hinge. We're going to get you comfortable with shifting your hips back, shifting your center of gravity forward, like moving forward as we load, things like that. And then we'll move into like a rotation day. And then we have a front leg day and we kind of filter through those main buckets and the drills will obviously change how we coach it will obviously change. But the program itself is like, Hey, what are the, like I said earlier, what are the three main issues and let's get you moving right and work on that all off season. So now that we get to where we are now, when we get on the mound, it's like, Hey, now we can get into the pitch design. Now we can get into the, Hey, let's do this with our, with the slider grip, or let's do this with our slider feel, or this with our fastball feel because the rest of the stuff that we've been working on for the last four months is hammered home. And it, it gets to the point for me, it's like, Hey, you did this, you know, this is the fix, fix it. Now we can move on to something else instead of, Hey, our goal for this bullpen was to figure out the slider but we're not rotating right. So now we just wasted 25 pitches trying to get back to how to rotate and we didn't accomplish the goal of the day. Yeah, I think so. And just to, to sort of piggyback off that, I think the, the other important thing there is in terms of collaboration on how uh, we line up specifically with our pitchers, how we line up their training in the weight room and their training um, with their drill work and their, and their more sports specific work is, you know, early in the off season, we're building capacity slowly, right? We're working on the slow. We're really working on that skill acquisition piece where, hey, you know, we need to kind of make sure you're aware of the pieces of what's wrong and address those on the drill side. Um, and I'm more general in my application of the strength and speed stuff, right? And then, um, so, you know, so that as we, you know, now we're getting, we're just getting to the point now where guys are doing pull downs are getting off the mound a little bit and they're excited to do that. But we also feel good from an injury uh injury standpoint that hey we've um we've exposed them to enough stimulus in the right ways over time that hey we feel pretty confident like hey man stop thinking now and get on the mound and execute those things right now because now the skills autonomous so um and again so so it's that skill skill building piece on both ends and then now that we're kind of getting into the more intense throwing piece of the of, of the off season now my training matches logan's uh bullpen days so you know hey we know that if logan's got a bullpen day you're going to come in the weight room and your lifting day is also going to be the most intense right that way when you have a moderate day the next day um you know logan stuff's more moderate mine is either like a regen day or or it's going to be more low intensity right so now we're prioritizing recovery and these kids don't you know it's like we're matching the adaptations right we're matching the stimulus and then letting them truly recover the next day. Um, and, and we're just, and, and that's, that's how you manage that. Again, it's, a, it's stress management, right? It's like, I want you to get better, you know, and there's this whole thing, right? It's like, yeah, sometimes you're going to have to go on there and like, you know, during the season, you got to be ready to go. But as we're building this adaptation in the weight room in isolation, we have the ability to go to, to really manage that and, and prioritize recovery by, hey, these are your high intent days on the mound and the weight room these are your lower intensity days on the mound in the weight room and kids start to go, um, man, cause you know, you get this thing where kids want to come in and they just think more is more. And, you know, I want to hit it hard every day and I want to rip pull downs every day. And, you know, and it's just like, Hey, um, that's great. But also, you know, we're talking about high school kids here who don't get enough sleep, who don't eat enough food, who don't hydrate um, and don't really understand what that means. So it's like, Again, you got to create that buy-in. Like we have, you have guys itching, right? Like 
like, man, but like Logan said, now they're at that time of the year. It's like, well, they've done the, the cognitive work and they've done the drill work and they've built up the general stuff and they've done the boring work. It's like, now you've kind of gotten to that part where you've, where that, that point of the off season where you've got guys going, man, I'm ready to get off the mound. I feel good. I've seen the slow, the slow progress and, and really trust in that process. And, and now it's like, we can let you loose a little bit because they've earned it. And now we're starting to see these guys like, oh man, that pull down is a PR. Like, um, it's like, yeah, man, like that, that, that's how you do it. So it's, it's, it's cool to, to kind of match that, that up with Logan so closely and see these kids really buy in and get, get those results. Yeah. Yeah. And another point to that programming is like, because we're so close in collaboration, it allows me to kind of share some of my duties as like pitching coach with James. Like I know I don't need to hammer out some hip mobility or whatever, because I know James is going to handle that in the weight room where we're going to get a deep squat. We're going to get the kids moving the way we need to do. And then we also know like, Hey, it's a high day today. I can do three or four really hard rotation drills and then they're going to go crush weights in the weight room. I don't need to do five, six, seven, ten 10 drills today because I know we're going to get those main things done. They're going to throw and then they're going to go crush in the weight room. And it's the same for the low days. It's like, Hey, they have a dynamic day. So we're going to do some front leg stuff. They're going to th light throw. And then they can get that stimulus in the weight room where they're ripping med vaults or doing sprints. It doesn't all have to come from me or all come from James. We're able to kind of make it very efficient for these kids. And we're seeing great results as we're able to kind of stack these weeks. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of kids. I'm like, hey, my arm feels incredible. Like, why can't we throw yet? It's like, because you're following the directions. Like, because of what you've been doing for the last three months, you're starting to see it. And now what we're kind of fighting, which is cool, but it's like, hey, I want to keep going. It's like, no, we got to keep following what we've followed so that this feeling of feeling good continues. It's so like we're starting to get to that point where these kids are starting to see that. And again, it's, it's really cool having to be able to collaborate with James and stuff like that. Makes I think both of our jobs really fun and really easy. Yeah, for sure. And James, you know, that was actually one question I kind of accidentally skipped over there because I always want to dig into what it looks like in the weight room as a guy kind of flips on that on-ramp schedule, um, you know, throughout that offseason. But, you know, as we talk about that D-low, talk about the ramp up, you know, that's one big thing I always like talking about with the with, with the pitchers that I get here on the podcast. Logan, kind of take us through through your mind, kind of what does that traditional deload ramp up schedule, what should that look like? How often does it vary between, you know, let's say a guy like Ryan Sloan compared to a younger guy, take us through what that off season should look like deload and ramp up wise. Yeah. So there's that again, questions there. Like you said, like obviously a guy like Ryan Sloan, we didn't shut down at all this year. We just, we deloaded him. So he came off his summer. He did a lot of the showcases. So he didn't throw a ton of innings. So it was like, hey, we're going to we're gonna bring you all the way back down. Like, in my opinion, we've had the benefit to work with Brittany Dowling. She uh, she created the pulse, the driveline pulse, or it was Modus. So we use those a lot in the training, um, which is something we can get into if you would like. But um, so we kind of know a lot of that arm health data that we've, I've been using to kind of build our program. So we know, like, we can drop a kid's stimulus a ton without completely shutting them down. And I think the more and more I've see, I've done this with kids, I think I'm, I like it a lot more because I see so many injuries when kids just shut down for two weeks, two months, your body kind of forgets how to do the minuscule things in throwing. And now that takes an extra month, month and a half, just to get back to like, Hey, this isn't throwing the right way. Now we're another month, month and a half until we're really ramped up. And now this we're a month into the season and we're like just hitting our stride. Um, so I'm a big fan of like, hey, so we're going to shut you down for three or four weeks. We're not going to shut you down. We're going to deload you. So you're going to throw once every other day, 30 feet, 30 throws, like to the point where it's almost nothing, but it's just enough 
to keep you rolling so that when we do start that on ramp, it's, it's a slow build, but you're in a better spot than you would be if you completely shut down. So our ideal off season now is kids will finish the fall season. They'll deload for three weeks to a month. Um, and then they start their on-ramp then. So it's a really slow, like, hey, you're going to throw 45, 60 feet for 40 throws, and that's your day-to-day. That's it. That's all you get. And then we build it all the way up. And we've seen a lot of success. I'm using that driveline pulse really helps because we get to measure arm torque, arm speed, arm stress over the time. Um, but then there's also other things. Like if you play football, like that changes things. Like there's a lot of things that could affect that. But in the ideal world, that's kind of how I like to do it. Okay, so you talk about that driveline pulse, and you kind of dig a little bit deeper into that. That's one piece of technology that I really haven't – know, I've heard of driveline, haven't really heard of driveline pulse. Kind of give us the rundown what exactly and that does. I know a little bit more in depth than what you just did. Yeah, so the driveline pulse is a wearable piece of technology um, that the guys just put – they wear it in a little strap right below their elbow. Um, and what it does is it registers every throw you make for the day. So we have them put it on anytime they make a, a thrower, a forward throw. Um, and what it does is it's going to measure your arm speed, your arm torque, and your arm angle. And there's a, uh, a formula that it uses those to develop a workload number. So you get a one-day workload. And then it tracks that over a period of time. So what we use it for, um, and having being able to use Brittany as a resource has been huge in building those programs, is I take those numbers and I can forecast them out for three months. And then using those numbers, I can tell a kid, hey, today, your one-day workload is 4.8 this is about the distance and the bottom number of throws i kind of want you to make but i want you to make sure you hit that workload number and then you're done which allows us to individualize those programs for a guy like who maybe throw harder has a little bit more arm torque isn't going to make as many throws but is still going to get the same result as a guy that maybe needs to make a few more throws because they don't get as much stress on their arm and we're making sure that everyone's building that capacity at the same level, but there, then you get that individualized portion, which like some guys are more than others. And we make sure that everyone's doing it safely and we're very cautious with how we do it. But then we also can tell like, Hey, it's now January. You can let it rip because we can go back and look at the build that you've done. And we know it, you're fine. Like let it fly. Yeah. So these are great, great think, tool for I, us. I think a misconception too, just like a side side point. I think a big misconception with some technology is, and we've heard it from coaches and um, this is very new school way of thinking, right? Like people are just <clears throat> a little bit resistant to things they don't really understand. And it's like, Hey, the last thing we want to do is hold a kid back. So, you know, people think technology and they're like, Oh, you know, a kid comes in, it's like, Oh, I'm only making 30 throws today. It's like, yeah, but also there are situations where a kid thinks they're done and it's like, no, no, you need to go more. So it's not, it's, it's a stress management system. It's not a, we're not trying to hold you back. We just want, again, it's, it's giving you uh, the appropriate dose, right? Like you got a headache. You're not going to take 10 aspirin. Um, you're going to take just what you need to kind of modify that symptom of a headache. Right. And it's the same thing here. It's like, man, I want to get better, but it's like, Hey man, if I can only give you this much stress and you get a little better then you then you're going to be able to replicate that throughout the week more often than, man, I'm just going to let it rip. And then I'm, I'm, I'm out for three days. Cause like, I'm not going to throw it all because I'm sore or, you know, I'm not recover. I'm super fit. I've accumulated a ton of fatigue, right? It's like, that's where these things start to get really interesting where it's like, man, we can really, really dial in exactly what you need. Um, 
And, and, and that's kind of speaks for, I think that's the true benefit of technology. We're not trying to hinder a kid. We're not trying to, you know, make them do less. We're trying to give them exactly what they need, which is really, it's, it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. So, and another point, I guess, to that with the pulse is it allows us to track what's like, they give us a, a chronic and acute workload. So chronic is your 28 day workload and your acute is your last seven days. And then it makes a ratio off of that for like each day. So what I'm allowed to, what I can do is I can go to James and be like, Hey, James, I know for the next three months, every day that this kid's acute chronic ratio is going to be a little higher. So he might be a little sore the next day. So let's plan this out so that we can hammer the days where we're getting after it. And that, that workload is going to be a little higher and then allow them to recover and bring that number kind of back down as the weeks go. So it's been a really helpful tool for us to kind of forecast out and know pretty close where these kids and what these kids should be feeling months in advance instead of like, hey, coach, I don't feel great today. Like, well, we know you're okay. You can push it a little bit. Or, okay, that, that makes sense. You pushed it yesterday. You're kind of supposed to feel like that. All right, so I guess from my understanding here, when it comes to like digging into those programs, for the most part, that's more on the mechanical performance side where you're pushing their body, you know, making their 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 movements a little bit better. Logan, you kind of touched on it earlier about pitch design, working on different pitches for some of these guys. Take us through that, you know, the pitch design, maybe developing some certain pitches for guys, maybe even recommending, hey, let's throw in a slider, let's throw in a sinker, cutter, whatever. Kind of take us through working with guys pitch design and pitch development wise. Yeah. So we just got the track man uh, system in September, which has been a huge help. Um, Cause sometimes pitches are, you think you're seeing things that aren't. Um, and the biggest thing I've been seeing is a lot of guys want to throw pitches that just don't fit, fit them. Like I see a lot of guys like, Hey coach, I throw a curveball slider, change up fastball. It's like, Hey, let's like take a step back and like, let's make sure we can throw a fastball that metrically looks good. We're not throwing a fastball that like, hey, I'm throwing it a little harder, but it kind of stinks. Like metrically, it doesn't like you're getting 13 inches of ride and 13 inches of run. Like that ball is quite literally a dead zone. Like that's the ball that looks like it's going nowhere. Like, hey, let's try and get on top of the ball. Let's try and stay through the baseball, get out in front of the baseball, get that ball to look or let's sink it. Like, let's let's look into these. Let's not just like, hey, I throw a fastball. This is what I do. Like, let's hammer out the basics. And then it's like when we get to the, the off speed stuff. um, it's like, coach, I throw a curveball on a slider. It's like, well, you're throwing basically the same pitch. You're just kind of grabbing it different, and it's moving a little bit different. It's like, hey, let's look. What is your arm slot doing? What is your arm speed like? What is? Are you a little bit lower guy? Are you a little higher guy? Do you get good extension? Do you not get a good extension? Um, and, like, take a look at, like, okay, you can't throw a curveball or you can't throw a slider. If you're a really tall arm slot guy, it's going to be really hard for you to stay around the baseball and throw it the same way. And kids are starting to be like, oh, that kind of makes sense. And then it's as simple as like, hey, grab this pitch and throw it this way. And then they see it move and they see like the, the numbers jump. And it's like, oh, that makes sense. Let me work on that. And it's like for me, especially in high school, it gets different as we start working with the pro guys because obviously they're much more specific with what they're doing. But in high school, it's like, hey, let's get three pitches that we can throw very consistently for a strike that are elite pitches. And you're going to have a really, really good high school career. Like Ryan Sloan success, was successful last year before he really started to find the changeup with two pitches and he was already going to be kind of a high level high score arm. He's added his changeup now, which is an elite pitch too. And he's like top, top of the class. Like that's one of the best high school pitchers in the country. And he's throwing three pitches. Like you don't need to throw five pitches to be successful. I guess that, that answers the question, but 
Okay, so again, I, I know I kind of touched on this when I talked to James about the, the performance side there in the weight room. Obviously, these guys right now ramping up, getting ready for that season, which in Illinois, you guys start quite a bit earlier here in Indiana, so I can't imagine what those uh those early season games are looking like. But, um, you know, as these guys flip to in-season, going into spring, going into summer, obviously a lot of these guys are traveling, whether they're, you know, college guys going to a summer league or they're guys playing travel baseball, whether, you know, traveling down to Atlanta, Florida, Hoover, whatever. Um, I guess kind of take us through how those programs uh, change when these guys get in season and they're pitching, you know, once, twice a week uh, for, right. for uh, teams. Yeah. At that point, it's not as much, Hey, let's fix our mechanics as much as it is. Like, let's make sure our bodies are feeling good. So that program turns into more like, Hey, let's start to build our weekly routine. So it's like, Hey, I really know I like X, Y, Z drill that I did in the off season. So, okay, let's shift that. So we're going to do half the, half the reps, but now we're just going to do them throughout the week and build our routine. So we know, Hey, four days out from my start, I can do this and work on this thing. But if I'm a day before a start, let's drop a ton of volume, maybe do a few arm path drills, make my arm feel good. And then move into the start where we know, Hey, this is my 45 minute start warm up. I'm going to take these things from the things I did this off season and just do what I think I need. Cause a lot of the time you're, you're never going to fix a problem two days before a start. But what, if we can do things that make us feel good and like, hey, that makes my body feel right. I think I'm doing this. It makes me use this cue. That's all that matters. Because at the end of the day, you can be the greatest mechanical thrower of all time. But if you can't go out there and get out, nobody cares. So, like, for me, it's more like getting these guys to understand how important it is to have their weekly routines and what those look like for them and start to take a little bit more accountability on their own development. Um, and I'm obviously going to help them and give them ideas but I really think it's important for them to start to learn, especially because they're the only ones that really know their schedule. So for them to kind of learn and build those routines based off what they've been doing, um, that's kind of where we kind of take it on the pitching side of it. Okay. So got a couple of questions here for both of you guys here before we do end it off. Um, so I guess we'll kind of go from James to Logan here for these last couple of questions. Obviously you guys are both, you know, have job titles with director there in the front. So does that mean that you guys are, maybe having some other guys on your team that are working. I'm not going to say underneath you guys, but working alongside you guys as well. 100%. Yeah. We've got, um, <clears throat> Adam Bailey is our head coach and he is, um, he's probably on the floor many more than any of us. Um, you know, we all put our time in, but, uh, he's, he's our trench guy, man. He, he's really helped with programming and, and implementing what we do. And, um, he, he's really a big part of our team. Um, and he's a, he's a great strength coach on, on that side of things and just has a great understanding of what we're trying to do and how to develop guys. And, um, and, and, and it's just a great collaborator there. Um, we also have, we also take interns. So, um, a, a big part of my, my, um, you know, my career development was, like I said, doing, doing internships and, and learning. So that was very important to me to, 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 to kind of be a place, be a site for some of the, the schools and local colleges and things like that to, to come in and, and, and send, send aspiring coaches. Um, because like I said, you know, it, it's great to, to graduate with a degree and, and that stuff, but more and more in this industry, it's like, Hey, what kind of experience do you have? You know, what sets you apart? And, and, uh, and, and, and what have you done? So, so to be able to take interns, you know, show them how to do things um, and, and, and have them on the floor and engaging with our athletes and, and, and being really good coaches is, is, is something that really helps. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, and, and those guys get opportunities to work with us as we grow um, outside of their internship. So um, 
yeah, I absolutely always taking interns and, um, and that stuff. And, uh, between me, Adam and, and Logan, we're, we're running the show right now with some interns. All right. So you talk about those interns, obviously, um, you know, as you guys are going about finding some of these guys, you guys have, let's say you have someone who reaches out, Hey, I want to intern for you guys. What are some of those things you're looking for when you're, you know, hiring some of these guys to work alongside you guys? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, and and again, like one of my mentors, one of the best things he said to me was, <clears throat> you know, I could care less what letters you have behind your name. I really, I could, you know, if you're, he always said, you know, if you're like a certified good person, I'll teach you the rest, right? Like you can become a good coach. Um, and I think me and Logan were just talking about yesterday, like just having feel is, and being able to develop relationships with athletes um, is such a, it is such a enormous quality, right? Um, I think oftentimes, you know, we've had, you know, we, we've had good interns. We've had some that, are, that aren't as good and, and, you know, they come in and it's like, they're armed with all this information with no idea how to, with no real experience on how to do it. So it's like, really just like Logan said, that ability to say, I don't know. Um, and to just not be the loudest guy in the room and just, you know, come in and, 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 and all right, man, what do, what do we got to get done here today? What is my job as an intern? How can I be useful? And, uh, and you know, ask really good questions. My favorite interns are the ones that are carrying notebooks around. It's like, you know, actions are great. You can tell the guys that are trying to check a box for a credit hour and the guys that are like, man, I, I want to learn this. And, uh, and I don't know anything. And uh, Eli Hickman was a guy from Concordia, the baseball player, Concordia University um, here in Illinois. And, uh, and he, he's just incredible. He runs a lot of our speed camps, a lot of some of our programming and, um, was an incredible intern and we, we brought him on. He's going to be a great coach and it's just that stuff and being able to, being able to relate to these kids and, and, and just execute the plan. And, you know, I don't, the, the way I like to, to lead is it's like, Hey, here's the goal where you got to, we got to accomplish how you get there as an individual coach within some parameters is completely up to you, right? I don't want to micromanage you. I want you to become your own coach. So that's kind of that's kind of what I'm looking for 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 any potential interns is just the willingness to learn and and uh, you know pretty simple. Okay, so I got on the on my on my list of questions. I got two questions left. I'm sure there might be some more that come up. You know, depending on how how this conversation goes. But uh, I mean, this was a question that kind of came up when I was talking to my last coach. Hadn't really thought about it before until he kind of brought it up and kind of wanted to talk about it. I want to talk about success stories that you guys have seen. Obviously, you guys have been training with a lot of people. Obviously, you know, we've talked a lot about Ryan Sloan this, you know, this past almost two hours now. Um, so obviously he's got a lot of success going on, but I'm sure there's quite a few others as well. Um, with you guys training there the past, you know, so many years, take us through maybe some of the biggest success stories you've guys seen who've gone through the BSF program, who's gone through Bo Jackson. Um, kind of take us through those success stories. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we, we've been around four years, so we're just now starting to see that kind of, you know, kids that have worked their way through the program and now they're in their freshman year as a college and, um, you know, uh, over at Lockport, you know, they, they've got Michael Massey, who's uh, been working with Brett since he was a high schooler and he's the second starting second baseman for the Kansas City Royals. Um, TJ McFarland's a guy, he's a nine-year big leaguer. He works with us at the Dome and, um, he's not really a success. He was already pretty much a success when we came here, but it's been, but he's come through the program growing up before even I got here. Um, Mark Payton is a guy that, uh, th that's worked through the dome at Lockport. Um, 
some of our kids that are coming out now. I got Ryan, we got Braden Mazzucano, I think you've had on uh, before. Um, these are kids with obviously high ceilings. On the softball side, we've got um, Megan Malartzik plays at Western Michigan. She's in her freshman year. Um, incredible athlete, super hard worker. Um, Bryn West plays at Quinnipiac University on the hockey side. So hockey's kind of a different world I had to learn about, but they're a, on the men and women's side. They're an absolute like dynasty. Um, their men's team won the national championship last year. She's a defenseman. She's doing great. Um, Addison Koth is an, was an probably is one of the best softball female softball players in Illinois. She just had incredible, um, absolute incredible power hitter. Um, great kid, great work ethic. Um, I don't know who am I working with? Who else am I missing? Logan. From our um, yeah, I mean, one of, one of the cooler stories that we have, uh, one of the, his, his name's Tucker King. Um, he, uh, he came in, he's, he's already one of those guys that just got a really high ceiling, really good baseball player. Like, not going to take any credit for that, but it's cool because he he was he kind of saw a velo spike last year, went through a summer season, got banged up, played football, got banged up, lost some school's interest because he lost some velo, was hurt, um, and now we're seeing him. He's coming back. He's pulled down like ninety five the other day in his first one of the off season. His body's looking really good. He's moving really good. He's getting interest from all these cool big schools, and it's it's really cool to see. We got another guy. His name's Henry Johnson huge big dude he's like six six like super lengthy guy finally starting to come into his own like you're starting to see this kid like kind of buy into baseball really wants to play in college has a chance to maybe play at a, a, a decently big time d1 school so like all of these things it's really cool to see to me it's just really cool to see all these kids buying into the the game at a much higher level i think yes the success stories of like kids going to big schools is great. Like that always plays and you want to see that. But I think kids like really buying into making themselves better is really cool to see for most of the athletes that we work with. To end it off, um, you talk about, you know, giving me some of those contact info if people are interested. You know, I just kind of hear for the listeners that are interested. Who do they contact? How do they contact? How do they get in, uh, you know, get in touch with you guys? Yeah, for the pitching side, you can uh, reach out to me on Instagram. It's uh, Logan Schmidt underscore pitching. Um, if you want to reach out that way, I can definitely hook you up, um, getting interested, or just go to the uh, Bodome website. Um, if you go to the website, all of our information to join just the BSF Sports Performance side is there. If you want to join the pitching side, you can sign up for an assessment, whatever membership program you want. If you want to just get in touch, our emails are there so we can help answer any extra questions um, you have on any of the programs. James, am I missing anything? I think that's that's most of it. Uh, yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, I'm a I'm Coach underscore James Young on Instagram. Um, yeah, reach out. Um, I have a link tree in there. You can sign up for a consultation to train. Um, you know, we take all athletes. You know, uh, by osmosis, we get a ton of baseball players. That's kind of niche, but like I said, we have soccer athletes in, football athletes, hockey athletes. Um, you know, we, we we take them all. So uh, sign up for a consultation there. Uh, my email's in there, all that stuff. Reach out if you just have questions about training and, you know, we want to be a resource for you. So, um, yeah. Okay. So awesome. question here before we do end it off, obviously you guys have built, you know, pr pretty good. You guys have built a pretty good, uh, you know, brand there, good system there, everything you guys are doing, every, all the training that you guys have. And, you know, you talk about those success stories there a couple of minutes ago, you know, kind of looking ahead there to the future, you know, for BSF, for Bo Jackson, for even maybe you guys individually as well. Kind of maybe take us through where you guys see the next year, two, three years, 
you know, as you guys kind of keep going ahead and uh, within your guys' training career? Yeah, I'll go first yeah, here because yeah, yeah. But like the pitching thing for me, it's it's really new. I mean, technically we only launched December fifteenth of this last year. So for me, over the next one, two, three years, we're just going to be building this building this program into kind of being something that's that's renowned that kids know they can come here and really get better, and just continuing to grow that wherever that takes us. Um, I'm really excited about it. I think we have a really cool opportunity with the group that we're working with for it to become something that's a really cool product. Um, but yeah, I think it's building that to be the best it can be and kind of getting into the nitty gritty of pitching and, and being a place in the Chicagoland area that people look to like, Hey, these guys know what they're doing. It's a, a really cool place and it's a great opportunity to get better. Um, for me. Yeah. yeah. I think that for me too, I think, uh, it's just staying the course. Um, you know, I'm four years into this thing now and, uh, you know, yeah, the BSF pitching, it's, it's been such a great opportunity and it's been received well so far and just growing the hell out of that, um, supporting the guys around me and, uh, and growing that way. I think, uh, you know, I think in the future too, we want to get into the kind of the remote game as well. And, um, you know, if we got kids in Indiana or things like that, that need help that are training remotely, uh, we want to be able to accommodate, um, you know, anybody that wants our help. And, um, I think, yeah, I don't know. I think I think there's, there's you know I think there's a hitting piece too that you know we're on the pitching side. I think there's there's room for like a hitting product in the future and uh, and, and and you know accommodating those guys as well. So um, yeah, just just a lot of exciting things here in the next. We're, we're excited about this year and and the future. Okay, awesome. Well, you know, that's the final question here for you guys on the JKR podcast. You know, really appreciate you guys coming on the show. It was great. You know, let's see, we're looking at. Almost two hours worth of content. You know, it's a, not not the longest episode, but it definitely, I'd say, probably in the top 10. So, uh, you know, good, All good right. conversation here going on. Again, appreciate you guys coming on the show, having that interest. You know, shout out to Ryan Sloan there for connecting us as well. But, again, guys, just appreciate you guys coming on the show. And, you know, best of luck as you guys go ahead on, you know, building the next couple of years, this BSF pitching program and the performance side as well. Um, you know, again, just appreciate you guys coming on the show. Thanks Thank a you. lot, Chase. It was great. Oh,